The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. I uh, never thought there would be a day in my life when people's form of entertainment would to choose to be talked to instead of being like sung to. And yet, more and more, I talk to people that say when it comes to their drives or when they're working out or when they have some time to themselves, they're listening to podcasts or audiobooks or like talk radio over music, which is crazy to me. But nevertheless, it's the world we now live in. Now, one of the leading podcasts of today, they have, he has um, millions of followers, a guy named Logan Paul. Logan and his brother um, were beneficiaries of the, of the group or of the platform called YouTube. Now, YouTube allowed them to be able to kind of build this, this platform of followers that now have allowed them to have this huge entertainment success. Well, a couple months ago, Logan shared on his podcast something that shocked his audience and also his two co-hosts, which for them isn't really big because they're known for doing things that were shocking. But what they said was shocking because it didn't, what he said rather was shocking because no one expected it from him. He shared to his audience that he prays. And this literally shocked one of his co-hosts so much. He goes, man, I just don't consider you a person who would pray. What's interesting is is there are many people today that probably would fit in that category of interesting that they pray because you never expect them to. And yet we read like some of the leading atheists of our world today have openly admitted that in times of sorrow and frustration, they've cried out. See, even as we are gathered today right now, there are hundreds of thousands of people scattered out across the world praying. See, prayer is a natural longing of the human heart. But it's often not talked about, or rather maybe not hopefully exposed or ultimately shown in a way that helps us understand what makes our prayers different than Logan's. And so today we're going to continue in this series called The Rhythm of Life, and we're going to be diving into prayer and what prayer is and ultimately a type of prayer that should be a part of your rhythm, because there are hundreds of different prayers scattered throughout the Bible. Prayers that talk about, or communal prayers, like Pastor Michael talked about last week in in the first part, or just like prayers of lament, or prayers of rejoice, and everything in between. And if we were going to spend all day talking about that, we'd be here way too long, and I don't think you like my voice that much. So today we're going to be looking at just one type of prayer, and that is called intentional prayer. And so if you have your Bibles, you can welcome up to Luke chapter 11. But as you're getting there, it's also in the little pamphlets. I want to help bring clarity to what I mean by that. Because oftentimes when it comes to communication, we say things and we receive it, but it's not to the understanding of the person that's communicating it. And let's so start out with intentional. Intentional is a choice to carve something into your life. Right? So I, I can intentionally choose something. I'm, I'm actually going out of my way and placing it and making it a part of something. And then I want to talk now about prayer. Most of the time when I talk to people about prayer, they use the words, it's just talking to God. And I love the simplicity of it, but I don't think it gives us the full, cap to, it captures everything of what prayer is. 
And so I want to change the definition or help us understand my definition of prayer, and it's this. Prayer is an ongoing conversation with a loving God. Prayer is an ongoing conversation with a loving God. See, when, when I say that I'm just talking to God, I don't actually involve my relationship with him because I can talk to a wall. doesn't mean anything's going to give me respond. And I might look crazy, but I can still talk to a wall. See, we don't talk to something that's dead. We talk to something that is alive and is, is active in us, as scripture says. And so this is an ongoing conversation with someone who wants to communicate back to us. And so we're going to spend the, the next moments together looking at what it means to, be, to have an intentional prayer life in our life. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Luke chapter 11. And it says this, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation." This is a pretty common um, passage of scripture. Many people know what it is, but oftentimes we, because of the familiarity in it, we miss out on some things. Like I have often thought in my life what it would be like to be one of those original disciples um, because they got to experience things that I think every person in this room have longed to experience on some level. Because more often than not, as I meet with people, they want to ask God questions, Jesus questions, like, why did this happen? Or can you explain this in greater detail? Or I wish I could have seen this take place. Right? I know so many people that are wrestling with that truth, and yet these people got to do that. Right? They got to see Jesus walk on water. They got to see Jesus feed thousands of people with, in essence, an essence a Lunchable. They, they got to experience some of the craziest things ever, but ultimately they got to ask lots and lots of questions. And because they got to ask questions, we often quickly miss the first part of this and quickly get to the prayer. But we have to stop at the question because this question is very important because it's the only time in scripture that we read that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something, to teach them something. Now, this should cause us all to pause for a minute, for a minute, because these people got to see so many things and could have asked him to teach them a lot, right? Maybe Peter, who was terrified of public speaking, would have simply said, Lord, teach me to be bold when I'm around people. Or maybe some of us today were like, hey, that water into wine thing was really cool. Inflation's expensive. Can you help me out? Right? Like we could have asked so many ways to, to teach, and yet they only asked to teach them to pray. Now, before we dive in a little bit more, we need to ask, understand what type of prayer they're asking, because they're not asking situational prayers. Because we understand how to mean to situationally pray, just like they did. See, throughout scripture, we see they would be put into a situation that would cause them to cry out for help. 
Like one of the greatest examples is that is in Matthew chapter eight. We see that these men who are fishermen, meaning that their lives were uh, literally on the boat. They probably had salt water in their veins. And yet there was a storm that arose that caused men who are comfortable at sea to be in terror. I don't know what type of storm that would be, but it had to be pretty significant that these men go to Jesus in, in, in Matthew 28, 25 and, and wake him up from his sleep shouting, right? It wasn't like, hey man, let's wake up. No, they're like crying out in fear, Lord save us. See, they knew how to situationally pray. And for most of us, that's the type of prayers we pray. We pray situationally, something comes up in our world, something happens to someone we love, or something isn't happening the way we want it to, and so we choose to pray. And yet, they still ask Jesus to teach them. So what are they actually asking? They're asking him how to pray intentionally like he did. It's very important to realize that in the four gospels, it's stated 25 times that Jesus went to pray. Some of the most known verses in scripture are only told in one of those four gospels. And yet each one of the writers had to make clear that Jesus in the busyness of his life went to pray. I think oftentimes we think, well, he's God, so he, 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 that was just natural. Like, let's just imagine for a moment how busy his world would have been. If you had the ability to feed thousands with a Lunchable or to put your finger on someone who is sick and make them whole, and you start, word would start to spread, right? Meaning that as he would travel from town to town to town, there would be thousands of people gathering to him, crying out for help meaning from the start of the morning to the end of the night, there's probably people pursuing him. And yet, he still chose to carve out time to intentionally pray, to do it. And so the disciples asked, because through observing Jesus's life, they recognized that intentional prayer was the key. And yet for most of us, prayer is like a fire extinguisher that we just come when things are hard and let's just quickly spray it out and move on. It's not something that like transforms our life or something that we're intentionally planning in our day, in our weeks, on our months. It's just something we do when a situation comes up. And yet, Jesus, who was extremely busy, still chose to carve out time for it. So let's dive into to the, this outline that he gives his disciples, these, these words, and, and what he's trying to help them understand about a question that I believe excited him greatly. That they got it through watching him, like, hey, there was something important about prayer. And so the first one is this. It says, the first word in this is father. And, and what we need to understand is this, is intentional prayer is understanding your relationship with your creator. Two weeks ago, we celebrated the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for those of you who don't know the story, the reason why Jesus was even tried was because he called himself the son of God. Like that notion alone could bring death upon you to call God your father. And yet Jesus, a year before the disciples, before his death is already trying to shape his disciples in an understanding of who their creator was. 
He was not someone who was distant, who was vicious, who's, who's trying just to let you just do with your life. He's actually wanting to be an intimate, an interpret, that word didn't come through, uh, uh, wants to be a part of your world. The word father here is very interesting to me. It's this uh, word of authority, but also a word of covering and care. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what Jesus is trying to get us to understand here is that we are communicating with someone who is above us, like a good father, but he's a good father, not an angry father. And for many of us, the concept of father has got a lot of hardship around it. And, and he's trying to clear that away and saying like he is the perfect father who has authority, care, compassion, love and mercy, who's going, to, who's going to correct and guide and lead. But ultimately, he's a place that you can come safely to. And not all of us understand that type of prayer. And so what would that look like to intentionally to participate in recognizing who the Father is? It would be simply just to pause and to recognize who you're standing before. That because of Jesus' death and resurrection of the cross, like the veil was torn and we now have direct access to God. And so we need to recognize who we're standing before. But most of the time when it comes to praying, it's just quickly, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. Here's my things. We don't sit still and just breathe in the truth that I get to be in the presence of a loving, compassionate, caring, merciful God who welcomes me there, who invites me into his space. And so for an intentional prayer, I have to sit for a moment and pause to understand that because if I don't, I tend to leave uh, leave myself on the throne, right? See, when I... Oftentimes when it comes to the way you and I pray, it's praying through, I have the authority because I want these things done in my life. Instead of saying, God, like you are an authority, which actually leads us to the second part of, of that first verse. It says that hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. The word hallowed is very unique. It's a weird word. No, no one uses that in English today. Like I didn't hallow you. Um, but the word was um, someone worthy of praise who is above me. And, and it's this idea that like, I actually am excited that you're standing before me, that you're greater than me. See, a lot of people understand what it means to have authority over us who's not worthy of position, right? And so we have to follow the rules because they're in a place of authority. But this word here is like, I'm excited that you are in a place of authority because you are worthy of the place of authority. So when you're hallowing him, you're praising him. But then he goes on to say that your kingdom come, that you would praise him and ultimately ask through your praise to be able to see his view on things rather than your own. See, the second part of intentional prayer is to ask God's, for God's perspective through adoration. It's through praise. It's, it's through asking him to help you see the things that you cannot see because you have a warped view of reality. My uh, family got season passes to uh, uh, the beach boardwalk this year because if you get them like in January, they're like a cost of one day admission, which is awesome. 
And my, little, uh, my, my youngest daughter loves trains. And so if you've been to the beach boardwalk, there, there's this ride called Cave Train Adventure. And it is like a very watered down version of It's a Small World. <laughs> very definitely kid, ex- kid exciting. Um, grownups hate it, right? Like you're just like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's awkward. And it's this like little train ride through this cave village and it's awkward. And my daughter would go on it every single time in a row. And we're like, one time is enough for me for a while. But as you're on the train, you get to this one station where you see these two cave people who are very much overweight and have silly faces. Like, and yet what they're looking at into a mirror is two people who are extremely beautiful and very fit. And I don't know exactly when this ride was created, but the, the creator of the ride is leaning into something that is true to the human soul is that we often have a skewed view of reality and we either can look at something and call it too beautiful or look at something and call it too ugly. That we have a warped view of reality through our own lens and through our own eyes. And so the second part of attentional prayer is that after I've paused and just kind of come to the reality of that I'm standing before a creating, a, my creator who loves me, I need to start to ask him to see the way he sees because my perspective often is warped. And so how do we do that? Well, this would be choosing to start to, pray, to, to praise him, whether that's through song or through his word. I think it's fascinating that we have been gifted some of God's prayers, Jesus' own very prayers, and yet we oftentimes don't pray them, right? We don't go, like many of us don't actually read through the, the Bible and say that was a prayer, and yet that's what Jesus would do. And so uh, maybe something to think about, and if you want to take a screenshot of it, these are just some passages to gain perspective of God's authority and his mercy and his grace. And this is not an exhaustive list. Like there are so many of these that you can do. But taking time to, to look towards God's word or to, to sing to him in song is a great place to start to get yourself off the, off the throne and to place him there. See, God is the creator of the universe. You are not. Sorry. The sun does not revolve around you. And this is the way to get there. It's by looking at he is worthy of his praise. Like we, I read a little part of Isaiah 6 earlier. Daniel 7 is, it goes into this view of his throne room. Like these Psalms are talking about like just his mercy and his grace or his covering over us. These help start to paint the picture of the God we stand before who's worthy of praise. And so intentional prayer is about pausing and looking towards your creator for his perspective in praise. Now, before I go any further, I, I, I should have stated this earlier. If you're in, like in a burning building, like you don't need to go, okay, I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna like, no, cry out for help. Like this is like one of those times to start actually when you have intentional time, when you started to carve out moments in your life, this is just an outline to walk through. And so then he goes on to the part that we all know and love, the one that we do often. It's usually the type of prayer we already pray. And it says, ask, um, or to give us this day our daily bread. 
right? To give us this day our daily bread. That's, that's something that comes natural to most of us. I don't ever know anyone who says like, hey, um, when you pray, you should learn to ask God uh, what you want. But I wanna expand the reality of what this section is. And, and the truth is that each one of these points could be a sermon on their own. And so I would love to go into this very fully, but I'm just gonna hopefully just give a quick overview of this. This isn't just simply about asking, it's about being honest. The, the third point in intentional prayer is that we need to learn to be honest, to have honest, establish honest communication with our creator. Honest communication about our creator. For many of us, it's, it's, it's so comfortable to ask, but maybe going more than that is hard. And, and I don't know why I needed to address this, but I just feel like I should. Um, maybe there's some of you in this room, like prayer is difficult because you've tried it and it didn't work. And so you've been wrestling with unanswered prayers and you're struggling with, well, maybe I, I know I need to pray because you're God, but I don't know if I'm gonna be honest with you because I tried that once and it didn't work. I would hope that that wouldn't stop you from praying because the sad reality is the church isn't very open about, how, about honest prayers, but the Bible is. The Bible is intentional about showing us unanswered prayers. The greatest example of that is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's think about this for a moment. Jesus who's talked about, intentionally been praying with God time and time again. And, and we see that even in his greatest, one of his hardest moments when he was tempted in the desert, God responds to him. And yet in the garden, when he is stressed out, overwhelmed so much so that blood is pouring out of his, of his literal body, he cries out, Lord, take this cup for me. And there's not an answer. If you don't think that Jesus understands what it means to be abandoned, you haven't looked at Gethsemane. Jesus has prayed over and over and over again and has had God answer him, and yet in this moment, he didn't. But that never stopped Jesus from praying the hard prayer of, but your will be done. But it didn't stop him from praying because we read later on when he's hanging on the cross, he once again prays. God isn't afraid of that. And the Bible isn't afraid of that. And if, if you're in this room and you're really struggling with some unanswered prayers, I'd love to talk with you and maybe give you some tools to kind of walk through that after service, or you can email me. But part of intentional prayer is choosing to be honest, which means that I get to, to share about those joys that maybe I haven't told anyone else about, but it's also willing to talk about those dark things too. It's choosing to be honest before the God who loves you and cared so deeply about you that he gave up his own son for you. And so I have the ability to praise him or to communicate to him or to be angry with him. Jesus can take your harsh words. Or if you read through the Psalms, you can see that. A lot of the writers had harsh words. That's okay. You have the freedom to be honest before the creator. And so we get to what I then believe is the, the hardest section. It's the, the 12 hardest words in this. It is, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted 
to us. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know many people who know how to say sorry well. More often than not, when it comes to people apologizing, it's usually with an asterisk, right? Like some, like, oh, like, you know, what I said was wrong, but, you know, they start to blame their culture background or their upbringing or the world that they face or they just didn't understand, right? More often than not, we don't want to actually take the blame on ourselves. We want to make sure that partial of the blame goes on to someone else. But that's not good forgiveness or repentance. Repentance is the willingness to look within and say, I'm sorry. I made a mistake, period. Not putting an asterisk next to it. But that's only part one, which is already really hard, right? Because that means that I actually have to ask God to look, help me look inward. And who wants to do that, right? Because many, maybe us like Eminem have put skeletons in our closet and kind of locked the door, no? Right, but he's like choosing to open them up and saying, no, I've got to look at them. I've got to expose them. I need to get rid of them is what this prayer is. But then it goes on to say that for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. That word said everyone. Not the people you want to, not the people that apologize to us, but to everyone. It's this idea that we will be forgiven by what we're willing to forgive. That's sobering. (laughs) That's tough. And I recently, and I've wrestled with this question, uh, with this idea a lot. And I recently heard a story about a, about a woman named Connie Ten Boone who helped change and helped me understand what this is saying. Connie and her family was in World War II, and they were believers, and they saw the horrific things that Germany was doing to Jews, and so they started decided to take action, and they started hiding Jews. Well, the SS, which was the Secret Service for Germany, found out about it, and they captured their family and they threw them into concentration camps. And without going into great detail, these, this woman and her sister experienced literally hell on earth. And yet they still had faith. Like every time I think about this woman, she talks, there's stories, like there's just one, like there was a time when the barracks that she was moving to had uh, fleas. And so she was already living in a terrible situation and now it got worse because they were getting bitten up alive. And yet they started praising God for the fleas because it allowed them to share the truth and it prevented the guards from coming in and doing horrific things to them because they didn't want the fleas. Like this woman had amazing faith. Says that at the war end that she survived it and started to tour through Europe explaining her story and ultimately using that as a way to share the gospel. But she writes in one of her journals that there was a time when she was sharing her story. And after she presented the gospel, a man stood up that froze her in her tracks because his face had been forever burned into her memory. And as that man started to walk, she could only relive the terrors of that same man taking her into a concentration camp. It was the man who actually captured her. 
And the man, from what I can tell, came up broken by the reality of the gospel and said, I can't believe God's grace would be for me and extended his hand toward her. And she said, nothing in me could extend my hand. I could not forgive the man who had done this thing to me. And then she said words that have been forever just have touched my soul a lot. She simply prayed the prayer. Lord, be the forgiveness I cannot extend. She said it was in that moment that she was able to then lift her hand and shake it. And I think that's the greatest picture of what it means to forgive everyone who is indebted to us. It doesn't mean that I have in my human capability to forgive them for the evil that they've done against them, but it's through the the reliance of the Holy Spirit, through the mercy of God's grace, through what he did for me on the cross, that I can lean into him and say, help me in the areas I cannot do on my own. That's what forgiveness is, is looking at that and allowing him to extend the hand when you yourselves cannot. Now, if you're in a situation right now where you are with an enemy and you need help, that doesn't mean just continue to extend the grace. Get help. And we would love to talk to you and be there for you to help you through it. But nevertheless, God says we are called to forgive. That's not empowering the person who's hurt us. It's just freeing us. You see, intentional prayer is choosing to do... (laughs) The soul work, which is point four, is is learning to pursue the soul work of repentance and forgiveness. It pursues it. And we won't do that in situational prayers. We won't actually take the time to pause, to to sit in in God's perspective, to be honest, and to then actually look inward. Um, No, we we will quickly just go through our list. But yet we are called to forgive and to be forgiven. Which then gets us to the last point, which is the fifth point, intentional prayer is seeking Christ to be your guide. Right? It finishes with says, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Like this this is a, a... a pretty honest prayer is something that I think we all long for because we all know what it means to, to lead ourselves in temptation. Um, a silly example of it that came to mind was when I was in college, I, a freshman year of college, um, I was rushing a fraternity and one of the things that they did was they blindfolded all of us and we had to put our hands in front of the person in front of us who was also blindfolded and we had to get through a forest. Um, as you can imagine, that's not possible. <laughs> Right? When blind are leading the blind, you tend to get hurt, right? You get branches swung at you. you, you run into things you weren't expecting. But oftentimes when it comes to the way we are living, we don't have the perspective of what our lives are gonna look like. And so when we take authority over it, we are blindly leading ourselves. And if you ever have blindly led yourself, you know the pain you've caused yourself, right? Because you're not a good God. We've been there. We've made mistakes. We've got stories in our past that have hurt us because we made a choice to lead instead of letting God lead. And so this this final prayer is that you would open up my eyes because you won't lead me to temptation. 
And so what would that practically look like? It's learning to sit still before the Lord. See, many times when we come and pray, we instantly say, here's my laundry list of things, and then we say, amen. We just quickly move about our day. We got more to do. We got things to say. And yet what we read in scripture is that God isn't this booming loud voice always going to shout. No, we read that he is a still small voice that we have to learn to hear. But if I'm so distracted, how can I hear it? If I'm scrolling through my phone or going straight into to work or, or doing all these things, I'm not gonna be able to hear him respond. And yet prayer is meant to be a two-way street, which means God wants, hear me out, he literally wants to respond to you. But we don't sit still before him to hear it. And so what that would look like is actually choosing to start to participate in silence and to be willing to listen. Now, this is going to take time of learning, just like this entire intentional prayer. It's like working out. You've got to work your muscles. And so I always tell people to learn to understand the stillness of God's voice is to, if you think something's happening that, that God is speaking to you inside of his context, which is meaning it doesn't go against God's word, do it. Right, so maybe you're sitting in the quiet, quietness and you're led to a passage of scripture. You're just like, man, like, I really feel like Isaiah came to mind. Don't call it as a coincidence. Go and read your word. Because it could be an answer to the prayer you're praying or simply you got the benefit of spending time in God's word. Both are great. Or maybe it's a person that comes to mind, like you were praying that you needed to forgive, like, God, I don't know who I need to forgive or I don't know who I should be praying for and a person comes to mind. I've never met anyone that says, how dare you pray for me? No, like call them and say, hey, like, I feel like I need to pray for you right now. Because that could be exactly what that person needs. They couldn't need that answer in the moment. And they've been crying out to God, would someone speak to my situation? Would someone partner with me? And God was trying to use you, but you're like, oh, it was just coincidence. And if it's not, you got to bless them with a prayer. See, as I'm sitting in the stillness, if it goes in partnership with God's word, participate in it. Because it could be the answer to your prayers in ways that maybe you didn't understand or could simply meaning that you're just growing your faith and learning to mean to, to look more like Jesus each day. But it comes with actually choosing to sit still before the Lord. Now, Jesus, his disciples, after learning this, went on to have amazing prayer lives. And I wish with time we could walk through some of this, but let's quickly just look through the book of Acts. In Acts chapter two, we read that because of them intentionally praying that the Holy Spirit comes from heaven upon them and a man who was terrified of public speaking stands before thousands and shares the gospel message in boldness and 3,000 people come to say yes to Jesus that day. Like, that's amazing. Literally, the next, ver the next chapter in Acts chapter three says, because of intentional prayer, a man who was born lame was able to walk. Because of intentional prayer, Paul, who was imprisoned, 
literally behind bars and chained to a ground, had his chains broken free, literally, and a prison walls opened up and he was able to walk through it unharmed. I could go story after story after story that because these people asked this question and took it serious, the power of God's kingdom coming down on earth. But we don't see prayer that way. It's not a part of our rhythm. It's just something we do when times are hard. Now, like I said, that doesn't always mean that you're gonna get everything you're praying for, right? We talked already about Jesus' unanswered prayers, but Paul had them too. Right, there was times when Paul said there was a thorn in his flesh and he cried out to God that it would change. No change took place. There were other times when Paul wanted to go on a missionary's trip, something that was good. And God said, no. See, prayer isn't trying to bend God's will towards you. It's learning to submit in God's presence to see his kingdom and to experience his mercies, his grace, his kindness, his, govern, his government, his, his love, and his compassion. And so my hope, my prayer rather, is that every person in this room would get a glimpse and a longing to start learning to pray intentionally because it is the key to your relationship with Jesus, but ultimately I would say the key to your life. And so in a moment, actually, I'm gonna invite Caleb up to, to, to come play the keys. And traditionally, usually when we close our services, we come and sing, but today I've asked him just to play. Because um, I actually want you to participate in prayer this way. And so I'm giving you an opportunity this morning to intentionally pray. And then right after that, we're gonna be doing communion. And communion is a reminder of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's because of his body broken for us and his blood spewed out for us that we have the opportunity to enter into his throne room, meaning we get the opportunity to pray boldly like we just talked about. And so I don't think of, there's a better way to enter into communion than actually to and choose to be intentional about my prayer. And so um, we're gonna take time to pray. He's gonna come up and play the keys. And as we do so, um, I'm gonna leave this little summary by a guy named Pete Gregg up on uh, the screens. Pete. Uh, is a pastor in Europe who has created a, a universal movement called the 24-7 Prayer. And he's got amazing books and resources on, on all the different types of prayers. And if you long to know more about prayer, which you should, look into him. He is amazing. And his story and his wife's story will grip you to your core. But I love the way that he summarized what we talked about. He says, when you pray to pray, to pause, to rejoice, to ask, and to yield. So start by sitting quietly and helping your soul remember your relationship. To read through the Psalms, listen to worship or praise him, to rejoice for who he is, to remove yourself off of the throne. Then to tell God what's on your heart, to ask, to have the honest conversations, and then to yield to repent, to forgive, and to seek. And so I'm gonna ask that you would do that right now. That you would just take time in the stillness of this place, close your eyes or whatever's comfortable for you to P-R-A-Y. 
Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.